Uh, good morning, Dr. Walker. Thank you so much uh, for agreeing to do this. You've already played a pivotal role in December uh, in helping our CIC students, faculty, and staff focus our efforts on information in great power competition and in public diplomacy in general. And so students and listeners, faculty and staff, uh, I want to do a quick introduction to Dr. Walker. I will have her bio or a link to her bio in the podcast description. For those folks that are on the road, please don't pull off the road or, or look at your smartphone to open up the bio. I'm going to do a quick overview. So Dr. Walker, Dr. Vivian S. Walker, is the Executive Director of the United States Advisory Commission on Public Diplomacy at the Department of State. She also serves on a number of in a number of faculty positions. For example, she's currently an adjunct professor at Georgetown University. She was previously a professor of national, uh, national security strategy at National War College here in D.C. and at National Defense College in Abu Dhabi. That's the National Defense College of the UAE. In her 26-year career with state, she rose to the rank of minister counselor. She twice served as a deputy chief of mission, Croatia and Armenia, twice as an office director, Southeastern European Affairs, and the Office of Press and Public Diplomacy for Europe, a public affairs officer, Kazakhstan, with coverage of Tajikistan and Turkmenistan, a cultural affairs officer, Tunisia, and an information officer, Haiti. And these are just a few, uh, a very, very brief overview of, of such a storied career. Um, she continues to publish and lecture extensively on, practice, uh, on the practice of public diplomacy in complex information environments. She graduated uh, from uh, Georgetown University School of Foreign Service here in DC and earned her doctorate at the storied University of Chicago. So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Walker, for your time this morning. And I wanna jump right into um, the, you know, sort of one of the first points that we had talked about. One thing that our students have, especially the students that are in our subversion and influence class, and our students that are in our information warfare class is um, as every military officer student places post NDU life more emphasis on information and influence in all their missions. Uh, what are some of the skills or perhaps frameworks that you would recommend that they work on after NDU as part of their professional development? In terms of uh, what out-of-the-box kinds of things, uh, when you talk about skills you would most recommend working on, is in term, you know, right within their skill set or something that's sort of outside and unexpected? Outside and unexpected. Okay. Uh, in that category, um, the first thing I would say is uh, read poetry and novels. Hmm plays and scripts, anything with a narrative arc, anything that forces you to uh, understand textual analysis, to, uh, to understand how narratives are built and put together, to understand how tone, symbolism, structure work, what details are selected or excluded, what kind of emotions are elicited, uh, both uh, intentionally and unintentionally. I view narrative as, um, as, as, as a text, and my whole approach to understanding narrative is to bring to it the kind of analysis that you would bring to a poem or a play. 
because it's the same skill set. And I think that policymakers obviously need to understand how to build effective narratives. And in order to understand uh, how you build an effective narrative, you have to understand its component parts. And analysts in the intelligence world, for example, need to know how to deconstruct or take apart narratives that are out there to understand their intents and motivations in order to be able to, uh, you know, find uh, counter approaches or solutions. And practitioners need to be able to tell a story, whether they're telling the story at a podium, whether they're telling the story uh, in front of a, a group of policymakers, in front of a group of students. It's no accident that the motto for the U.S. Information Agency back in the day was telling America's story to the world. It's about storytelling. Containment, Kennan's containment strategy was about telling an alternative story to the story of, 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 the com of communist ideology and socialism. So I think uh, the, the way to, to, to really be effective in the realm of narrative and the realm of influence, because the two are related, uh, is to go back and understand and appreciate narrative construction, looking at... Um, you know, and looking at novels and plays and poetry allows you to uh, step away from the context because we get so embedded with the issues and the policies at the same time that we uh, understand, that we're trying to understand the narrative. If we can understand a narrative in its pure form without any of the surrounding contexts, I think we can then bring that skill set back to uh, the policies and issues, uh, the warfare or uh, or the policy negotiations we're involved in. And you talked a little bit about my background um, and uh, what you didn't say about my degree at the University of Chicago was that it's actually a PhD in literature or as one of my sons said many years ago, a PhD in reading books. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, Everything that I have brought to the practice of public diplomacy uh, in my career with state, and then subsequently as someone who's teaching and writing about it, everything that I bring to it in terms of analytical abilities and skill sets and attentions to nuance and detail came from those classrooms where I sat around analyzing uh, Shakespeare and Dunn. That is fantastic. What, what incredible advice and what incredible uh career to have come from such a, uh, a background uh, of storytelling traditions, narrative, um, that that's extremely helpful, I think. And that also provides, I think, our students uh, with a lot of uh, inspiration to do just that. Uh, that's certainly something I try to do, but I probably fall short. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Walker. Uh, my next question is, um, what are some, maybe a, two or three articles or books on information or on influence uh, that you might recommend? Uh, or alternatively, uh, some books that you think really showcase great narrative, um, however you wish to, uh, to speak about that. Shakespeare gives you all the, the great narrative you will, uh, you'll ever need. But in terms of books, um, uh, there are a few that uh, I've been really impressed with recently as I was putting together a course that I'm now teaching at Georgetown uh, called Data and Diplomacy. Uh, and one is a book by uh, Tim Wu, uh, W-U, The Master Switch, The Rise and Fall of Information Empires. 
that's a fascinating historical analytical overview of the relationship between um, uh, information technology and politics and economics, and it traces the evolution of communication technologies in the U.S., uh, beginning with uh, Alexander Graham Bell. And it is, uh, he develops a paradigm about the, the rise and fall of information empire, empires that I find to be extremely informative. So uh, that was an eye-opener for me, The Master Switch. The next uh, uh, book is uh, a book by a fellow named James Gleick uh, called The Information uh, history, a theory, a flood. And that looks, so this is a more theoretical, philosophical work. It draws from philosophy, from science, um, uh, from political theory. And it looks at the evolution of how we think about information and information processing and information dissemination. Um, uh, and goes back uh, a few centuries, but he pulls it together in a way um, that I think uh, helps us to understand what is peculiar to the challenges we're facing in the current information age. And a less philosophical but uh, uh, no less useful book is this uh, one by a gentleman named Nicholas Carr, C-A-R-R, -R, called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. And this is uh, uh, probably the best iteration of a lot of stuff out there being written now about how the, um, the Internet is uh, changing the way we process information, the way we read, the way that we take in information. It's not a call to resistance because there is no resisting it, but rather uh, bringing to attention how these, our attention, how these processes are changing, what the implications are. And I think for anyone who's going to continue in the realm of, um, of, of, of influence and dealing with influence domination or overcoming influence domination is going to have to understand um, what the effect, how, how our, our, our our, our own way of thinking about things is changing and how we can build that knowledge into a response. So those are um, three books that have really helped me to um, get my, uh, you know, to wrap my mind around some of these, um, in some ways, existential challenges uh, we're facing in the global information space. I would add one book, and this is only for those who uh, really want a succinct uh, and helpful description of this um, uh, indefinable thing called public diplomacy. Uh, and that's by Nicholas Cull, and that's uh, Public Diplomacy Foundations for Global Engagement in the Digital Age. It is the clearest uh, uh, and most precisely written thing I've seen out there that gives you kind of a theoretical background for public diplomacy, gives you a working taxonomy for public diplomacy, but then sprinkles in a number of actual case studies that illustrate how, um, you know, how, how public diplomacy works. As someone who's um, started really as a practitioner and came rather late to uh, the business of, uh, you know, theorizing about public diplomacy, uh, I've always found that it was very difficult for me to read most academics' definition of public diplomacy that would get so mired in IR theory and, and other kinds of theories that it was unintelligible. Um, and I also found, unfortunately, reading practitioners writing about their experiences was that their their um, descriptions would be very 
uh, they were one-off and they weren't tied to any overall framework. They didn't give you any takeaways that you could then apply to other situations. Uh, Call's book is uh, that rare book that bridges that space between theory and practice. So you understand the thinking behind it, but then you understand um, how you can actually put it to work. So uh, for that reason, um, and I'm a now both a practitioner and for my sins, a bit of an academic, uh, and I would point to that book as, as uh, something that uh, transcends the dangers inherent in um, in both disciplines. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. And I'll be sure to have uh, the, the books by Wu, Gleick, Carr, and Call, uh, links to those books uh, in the podcast description, description for interested listeners uh, to interested students. Thank you so much for that. And my final question is... Um, now, how can students, uh, of course, most students graduating NDU, as you know much uh, better than I, um, they may be going into joint staff uh, learning in, or joint staff environments. They may be continuing along the lines of logistics or intelligence or infantry, or perhaps they work for Homeland Security or Department of Justice, or they're going back to their uh, to their home countries, our, our uh, international fellows. Um, what is what would you suggest, or how can students better coordinate uh, between or with nodes in the U.S. government? And so, for example, um, you know, one of the things that some of the students are doing this semester is just trying to map out and acquaint themselves with different uh, information centers of excellence and nodes. So, for example. The Global Engagement Center, uh, another example perhaps being um, the work of the uh, Strategic Communications Center of Excellence in Riga. Uh, do you have any suggestions for what a non-information focused uh, career um, officer should be thinking about with regards to coordinating and incorporating perhaps information into their uh, mission analysis and their strategy preparation or strategy uh, writing. I think that uh, no matter where you end up, whether you continue in a military career, whether you end up in a policy career, both in government you know, or at least the public sector or even in the private sector, you're going to, um, uh, there are going to be uh, uh, entities within your organization or institution that are responsible for um, information collection, information sharing, information dissemination, and um, clearly your 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 goal is to familiarize yourself with those uh, entities both within your own institutions, but also those entities that exist uh, outside your institution or group, uh, but that may have bearing on your interests. Um, I've always been, uh, uh, when I, I'm often asked the question, is it possible to have one coordinating authority, authority for example, for, for a government like, say, the U.S. government for information across government? And I don't think that, that, that such, uh, uh, such uh, uh, an, an entity is possible um, because uh, to coordinate all of these voices, A, is impossible because they are multiple and they are various and they change according to 
uh, both time and place and need. And the effect to the effort to try to impose a uniformity on all of this would be indistinguishable, I think, from uh, what would smack of authoritarianism. But you do need to have coordinating authorities within agencies and institutions that have both institutional trust and credibility. Uh, and you need to keep open channels of communication and information sharing across the interagency or across your entity to ensure consistency and message cohesion. Because one of the ways uh, to make your, your institution more vulnerable to uh, disinformation or malign influence attacks is to, uh, uh, to create the impression that there is disagreement or discord uh, um, in your messaging. That's the other, and, oh, okay. No, yeah. no, please go ahead. Sorry. That's fascinating. That's all I was going to say. So I'm in listening mode here. Thank you. Please go. Um, okay. And um, the, the thing, though, about these collaborative efforts is that the best of them are needs and events driven responding to a particular issue set or crises. I've found in my own experience that once you institutionalize uh, these more, these informal information gathering and collection and sharing uh, groups, um, they easily become yet another set of bureaucratic measures that uh, to ignore. So I'm going to give you one more uh, uh, reference to an article um, produced by the um, INSS at, at NDU in 2012. Um, this is a story of the, uh, the uh, Active Measures Working Group, which was a part-time interagency interagency committee that was developed uh, in the 80s to counter Soviet disinformation um, that actually ended up exposing Soviet disinformation practices to the world and ultimately convinced Gorbachev that such operations were going to be counterproductive. This was one working group and the stories told in um, it's Fletcher Schoen and Christopher Lamb, Deception, Disinformation, and Strategic Communications, How One Interagency Group Made a Major Difference. And my takeaways from this study and my takeaways for uh, for your students is that this part-time inter interagency committee uh, uh, was successful, A, because they had top cover policy, they had top, uh, they'd cover from the top in terms of policy, they had support from top leadership, but they also had total independence and flexibility. They had the permission to do what they want, they had broad parameters, and then they left them alone. Um, they were they also engaged in constant uh, information sharing. And finally, they had a really clearly defined set of achievable tactical objectives, um, one of them being, for example, to debunk the story that AIDS originated in U.S. laboratories, which was a, which was a Soviet uh, disinformatia. Uh, uh, initiative. I think find that too often when you when you 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 put people together and you say you got to coordinate information and you've got to share information, the goals are so lofty. You know, broad information sharing across the inter uh, interagency, every voice heard. That is both lofty and essentially difficult to sustain. And the more um, targeted your objectives are with respect to information collection, collection and sharing, um, uh, the more that you have an easily definable end state in mind, the more likely you are to be successful. And anyway, the, the Schoen and Lamb piece does a great job of laying out um, how uh, that model worked. And it's one that uh, uh, I look to uh, as a great example. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. I know some of our students uh, um, have read a couple articles on this.
but not this INSS, uh, INSS one on active measures and the active measures working group. There was an article I know that LSC, London School of Economics, put out a few years ago, but that's more of a very short kind of primer overview. This is fascinating, so there's definitely a lot for us. Um, what works about that is that they, it is as much about the institution of the working group. I see. You know, it's less about, you know, uh, it, it does talk about the, you know, what they found and what they suggested to deal with Soviet disinformation, which is fascinating. But, but I, I highlight, I highlight it for your students because it talks about the, the working group itself as an institution and why it succeeded. Um, and and that are you know that's where the the gold is in terms of thinking about these nodes and thinking about uh, uh, you know co coordination and collaboration you know the tremendous possibilities but also the very real limitations. That's great, uh, Dr. Walker. Thank you so much for your counsel. I mean, I certainly learned a lot. Uh, I have a lot to um, digest and think about. I'll certainly uh, all of those those uh, those books and the article. I think will be extremely helpful to our students. And the counsel that you just gave, I think has will have an immediate effect on uh, our students' mindset frameworks going forward, uh, especially as some of the folks um, may suddenly find themselves um, in a position where they need to coordinate and incorporate information into the strategic planning. And I really like the idea of the INS article talking about the institution itself um, and the way that you described it with independence and flexibility, but also with, with top cover and, and support. That's absolutely fascinating. Uh, Dr. Walker, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know you have a very busy schedule. Uh, thank you so much for your leadership, uh, first of all, for the government uh, and amongst our allies, um, but as well as your continued leadership at National Defense University. You continue to be a mentor and a leader, certainly to CIC, National War College, and I would say to NDU writ large, thank you so much for making the time, and, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Pleasure.